Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett. My passion for football and pushing boundaries has helped me to create a successful business using the same performance building principles of the world's best players. Through my Move the Ball book, workshops, and consulting work, I've used the same system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize those tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball movement for quite some time, welcome back. I'm glad that you are here with us today. As you all know, on this podcast, we talk about business, branding, sports, and of course, how to move the ball. A few things before we get into today's episode. First, and I say this on every show, if you have not already done so, make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. We've got some great shows coming up and also go back and check out some of the prior episodes. There's been so many great guests on this season. And also, if you enjoy listening to the show, share the podcast with a friend or two or three. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. And lastly, there's a link in the show notes. You guys know that we have the Move the Ball merchandise store. So go check out the notes, click the link, get some swag and rock that you're a part of the Move the Ball movement. All right. For today's episode, I've got a great guest with us, someone who has been in the league for a few years now and someone who I've been talking to about coming on the show for probably about a year now inside the huddle today and ready to talk about his experience and share what he does to move the ball is Jordan Wilkins. Hi, Jordan. How are you? How's it going? It's good. Thank you for having me on. It's been my pleasure. So I'm excited to get it going. Well, I'm looking forward to chatting with you. As I mentioned, we've been talking about this for a while now. And so I'm glad to have you on the show. I know you're always staying busy, always keeping things moving. And so I'm glad that we are able to chat today. Let me just share a little bit about your background. Jordan is an NFL running back who currently plays for the Tennessee Titans. He played college football at Ole Miss, and Jordan was drafted by the Indianapolis Colts in the fifth round of the 2018 NFL draft as the 169th overall pick. All right, Jordan, are you ready to move the ball? I'm ready to do it. (laughs) All right. So first off, I mentioned that you were drafted in 2018. As you know, um, I've actually had two other guys on the show that were part of your draft class who were also picked up by the Colts. Naeem Hines was drafted in the fourth round, and then Zaire Franklin was uh, drafted in the seventh round of that draft. So great, great guys. They're amazing dudes. Big shout out to both of them. I I love their energy. As you know, I was texting with Naeem last night, and so I know he was excited that we were chatting as well, and he loves you. So I want to start off by asking you, like, what was it? For you, like playing with those two guys, what did you really like about having them in your rookie class and then just having them as teammates? Yeah, so first, both of them are great people, you know, just down to earth, you know, authentic people. And, you know, that's hard to come by in today's world. You know, just from the time we all got drafted, we all came together and the work ethic and the camaraderie that we all built, you know, just by going to work each day and, and showing up on time and, and and seeing the grind that everybody's putting in. I mean, it kind of Helps you, you know, respect them a little more, you know, see, okay, they're truly, you know, putting everything they have into this. And uh, that's kind of the bonds we formed at, you know, back in my time with the Colts. So nothing but good things to say about both of them. I miss them. And, uh, you know, they're my guys. <laughs> Any fun stories you can share with them, either on the field or off? I'm sure we have, we have plenty. I'm trying to think. 
really just with me and Naheem were the most because obviously we were both running backs. Um, it was, I'd say, our preseason year of rookie year. You know, obviously, you're going through all the ups and downs of the rookie. You know, you're pushed a little harder. Uh, you're not really sure what to what to expect. And, you know, all those preseason games, every, everything's being thrown at us. So we're just out there enjoying it in the moment and stuff. And, you, like, I think it was, like, the third or fourth quarter, we just turned to each other and we're like, dude, we're, like, we're, we made, like, we're in the NFL, you know, like, <laughs> like, just moments like that. Like, you're in the middle of a game competing and stuff, and you just kind of take a minute and you just look around like this is everything you know we dreamed of you know like uh uh, for me you know when I was a little kid my goal was always to make it to the NFL because my dad played in uh, not played NFL ball but played college ball and tried to go that route so he kind of pushed me to be a little better than he was and so you know it it, like just seeing where we've come you know that's the biggest part for us love it and now we're currently in the off season as you know being elite is all about leveling up and getting better. What are some of the things that you were doing in the off season that, that you're really focused on improving to get ready for training camp? Yeah, for me, obviously, I'm going to be in tip top shape. Um, you know, I don't want heat to bother me at all. Obviously, I'm going to be at Tennessee. So it's going to be hot down there. I don't want heat to bother me at all. So I'm out here training at two, three o'clock in the afternoon, you know, hottest part of the days. But for me, uh, I've been a little bigger in the past, but I'm just focused on being a little, you know, a little more agile, quicker, um, being, you know, anything the team wants me to do, I'm trying to do. Um, so the, the more you're capable of doing, uh, you know, the longer you can stay in this league and, and, and benefit, you're more beneficial to teams around. So that's kind of my goal and my approach about it. And being elite is all about differentiation and separation. I like to say, what do you think about your training helps to separate you from your peers? I think it's consistency. So everybody has talent. Everybody, you know, at this point, I'd hope you have some type of work ethic because you're not going to stay in this business long without it. But I think it's just the consistency. Days you're going to feel great. It's easy to work out. Certain days, you know, it's a struggle getting out of bed and you're like, man, my son was up all night or whatever the case may be. But you can't let those, you know, the the struggles affect you. You got to just keep pushing through. And uh, if you just stick to a a schedule, I try to get my workout and run done every day by 9 a.m. So it's like if I, you know, I don't care what time I'm always up in the morning early, but it's like, you know, that's my goal. Like I'm going to get it done. I don't care what if I didn't sleep last night or whatever issues are. You just got to be consistent, stay to your grind. And I think that's where a lot of people kind of get burnt out or whatever, take a week off, take two weeks off. I'm kind of grinding all year. Obviously, when we end the season, I take maybe a week off, but I'm right into it. Um, you know, I just love fitness. I want to keep my body as good as I can. And, uh, you know, that's what that's what makes us all money. So, right. That's part of your job. I mean, you're in the business of being a pro athlete. So you have to keep your body in t- tip top shape. And so, you know, just continuing to do the things to to grind and to nurture it and to make sure that you're at 100% so that you can perform. Because as you know, there's so many people that are ready to take your spot if you're not ready. Absolutely. And that's another point is like the older you get in this league, the league's kind of built to stay young and stay cheaper, right? So unless you're a big time player, you know, um, obviously they'll pay the big bucks if you're one of the big time guys, because they have no choice, but everything else is fit into a salary cap, right? So If you're like in my position, a fifth year player that my minimum is a little higher than a rookie coming in, I could maybe perform better than that player. But depending on the salary and how all it all fits, they might take a player that's not doing what I do to my level, but he's a cheaper asset, you know? So it's just stuff like that, that you got to understand. And you just, that just kind of motivates you more as myself. It's like, it's not an excuse. You got to be better than them and you make them make the right decision. Like if, if you go out there and perform and you're truly the better player, yeah, everybody's going to see it. The players will see it. The coaches will see it. And they can't really make that decision. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because it is a business. But, you know, that's kind of my approach. 
That's a great approach. And I'm glad you brought that up. There are guys that are younger that are going to be cheaper. And so it, it is a business. Sometimes you've got both two talented people, but they're going to go with the cheaper option just because they got to figure out all the pieces. And that's just how the business works at times, unfortunately. Exactly, exactly. And like I said, it's cheaper. And then obviously they can have longer contracts with like a four-year contract. And if you're, you know, a veteran and maybe you're just on a one-year deal, you're basically still getting paid a lot more than they got to resign and all that. So it's just easier route to, to go the younger route. But like I said, it's no excuse. You just got to perform and, and come up and ready to, to show out. Right. Well, if you don't perform, you're not going to have an opportunity, right? So you got to always be there ready to perform and, and kind of see where the chips fall. So you play running back. What do you think are the skills and qualities needed to be elite at the skill position in the National Football League? Yeah, for me, I just think you kind of got to be a dog. You know, when I was with the Colts, we always had uh, the phrase dog mentality. I'm going to shout out my guy, Zach Pascal. That was kind of his phrase. And he kind of just got us all shirts for the team talking about, you know, dog mentality. And that's just how it is. I mean, you're going to get hit. You're going to be sore, you know, You but you got to just get up and keep going. Obviously, keep your body in shape, right nutrition, all that type of things. But you're going to get hit. It's, it's an intelligent game. I'd say the biggest transition from college to the NFL, it's intelligent game. So you, you have to be out there and kind of know what the defense is doing, know the next moves, uh, be able to read the uh, certain coverages and stuff. But you kind of just got to go out and make plays. You got to understand that, you know, whenever there's an opportunity for myself, I got to make the play because if not, another person can come in and definitely make a play. And once you do that, like you might be the guy, just one or two plays that somebody else makes in your position can change your whole outcome of your season. And I don't think people really notice that. Now, some people get, you know, uh, more chances and more opportunities. But, you know, for somebody that's trying to get on the field or get back on the field, I mean, it might be one or two plays. You don't make the opportunity or make that one-handed catch or whatever it may be. I mean, your chance, your opportunities might keep getting thinner. Right, for sure. Now, I ask people this question all the time, so I'm going to ask it to you as well. My listeners know that I've been a student of the game since I was four years old, wrote about a lot of strategies and lessons that football taught me uh, to be successful in my Move the Ball book. What were some of the things that you took away from the game of football that you think are important to being successful in business and just anything you do? And outside of like the hard work, the dedication, the discipline, because those are like the obvious things that people always go to. So were there any other lessons that you've taken away from football? Yes, I'd say big thing for me was being accountable. So like, and and I think that goes in anything in life, but you're going to be pushed, you know, in any uh, professional business, you're going to be pushed. You got to learn how to take criticism. For me, I never want anybody to tell me something like when I was a kid, I was like, I got it good. I made myself, I got myself here. I know what I'm doing. And that's couldn't be further from the truth. You know, obviously you have brilliant minds all around in any business and, you know, just trying to be a sponge and absorb as much information you can and translate that into your life. However, not just football, but in any business. And a a thing for me that I always thought was important is just certain type of motivation. Are you like intrinsically motivated or external, like extrinsic motivation, which is external motivation from outside sources? And I think if you can provide your own motivation and and it comes from inside, you know, I think you can really accomplish whatever you want in this life because you're hungry. And a lot of people, like I said, go up and down and up and down. If you just stay a steady course and then keep grinding, I mean, I feel like you can accomplish really anything in this life. Oh, I love that. Now, I've been in love with this game my entire life. What about football made you fall in love with it? I think just the camaraderie. I think everybody has to be on the same page. Like you can, there's 11 guys out there. If one person messes up, I mean, it's going to blow up the play. So you all have to be on the same page. One of my favorite times is the off season. Like when you come together in OTAs, you know, just building those bonds, building the relationships, seeing how people work and like comparing that to yourself. Like, okay, you see somebody outworking you, 
you know, are you going to compete with that or whatever? And I think in anything in life, anything you do, you need to compete because if you're not, you're not maximizing your own potential. And so I think that's what I love about the Titans. They, they, everything's competition. That's where I'm at. I love it. Now you have an older brother, Trey, who was a wide receiver at Vanderbilt. How did he influence kind of who you are today in football and just being a better player and your dad too? Yeah. So Trey, obviously he's a, obviously a great brother. Um, he's obviously the first child. I'm the middle child. So obviously you can tell I'm probably the, the crazy one, but Trey did everything by the book. And so for me, it's like, I just got to follow his path. Good grades coming up, uh, just a good person, a good brother. And just doing everything the right way. So he's two years older than me. And I just kind of followed his tail and tried to do everything I could to follow his route. And uh, same thing with my dad. My dad always said, you know, you got to be accountable. We're going to be hard workers, treat people right, you know, but still have an edge about yourself and know who you are and what you're capable of. So, you know, they've helped me obviously get to this point. And so I give them so much credit for where I'm at. Well, shout out to your dad and Trey for being awesome people. Now, you're from Tennessee, from Memphis area. You ended up uh, choosing Ole Miss. You were a four-star prospect. You're ranked uh, the nation's number nine all-purpose back by 24-7 sports. Why did you choose to be a Rebel? So, long story, really, but uh, I was actually committed to Auburn back when, I want to say, Gene Chiswick was the coach, when Cam Newton and all of them were going to win the championships and stuff. But I was there for committed there for eight months. They ended up struggling the next season. And so, I decommitted, committed to Ole Miss, obviously. We had a big recruiting class with Hugh Freeze, and they just got stuff rolling. Um, and then it was also close to home. I'm, I can't lie about it. Uh, I had a my high school sweetheart, who's my wife now. You know, we were really close. When it gets closer, you're like, dang, that's six hours. Seems seems far, you know. So that might have altered my decision a little bit to go to Ole Miss. But like I said, it was a, a blessing to go there and definitely the right decision. Well, glad you kept it in the SEC. And, you know, I went to Bama, so definitely glad you didn't go to Auburn. Although I have a lot of friends that went to Auburn, a lot of running backs from Auburn that played in the league. So, you know, we're, we're friends. We're friends not on game day when it's Iron Bowl time. But uh, <laughs> so you went to Ole Miss. What was your experience like there? Just, you know, transitioning from high school to college. And what did you really like about being part of the Ole Miss football team? Yeah. So also, again, just great people in the building. Um, I know our head coach was Hugh Freeze. There was some drama when I was there, of course, but came in with just a great class. I mean, kind of the same thing I was saying with Naheem and uh, Zaire earlier. I want to say like Evan Ingram, Laramie Tunsil. Uh, myself, Robert Kimbichi, all these people, we all just come together from different backgrounds and we kind of just hit the ball rolling. We knew we were a potent uh, recruiting class and we kind of just rode that uh, momentum that we had from the, the from the media and stuff and try to get to it. I think just over the years, consistency, I didn't have just, I didn't come out the gate and just start, you know, um, having success in, co- in college. So it kind of took me to keep going. To, to learn about the process, to follow the process and don't get bored with it. That's kind of where I felt like I built myself the most as far as work ethic, grind, and just learning to keep going. Life's going to throw some curveballs at you. And, you know, you just got to go and, and, and fight through them all. For sure. And when you look back at your time playing at Ole Miss, what was your most memorable game or experience? Looking back at Ole Miss, I'd have to say we had some great Egg Bowl games. But I'd have to say, yeah, I'd say probably the Egg Bowl game my senior year because I was Went through a crazy little story. My junior year was ineligible for whatever reasons. Long story, we can get into that another time. <laughs> but was ineligible my junior year, so I had to come back my senior year knowing like I had to perform or that's it. Like I'm, I'm NFL dreams out the window. That year I was ineligible. I actually took every single rep at practice on scout team. I did not let any other running back take reps. I'm out there telling them to hit me. It might sound like I'm boosting it up. I'm not at all. 
balls to the walls going to practice, after practice going to work out. And I'm not playing all year. So I think from that and just letting seeing what I could do in a year that I was not performing, and that gave me motivation to keep pushing forward. So like I'm not going to be able to perform for anybody, and I'm pushing harder than I ever have. And that kind of just rode me into my uh, senior year. And then my senior year, I told everybody before the season, I'm going to run for over a thousand yards. Like, you know, and people are like, you're not even going to be the starter. Like, what are you talking, you know, whatever. And, and I, like I said, this is why I say earlier, you can accomplish whatever you want. Like I got 11 carries or 12 carries a game my senior year. My first three games, I ran for 30 yards a piece. So I was like, everybody's like, okay, we need to put another running back in. And then we were playing bad teams. Like it's not to talk bad on anybody, but like Southern Miss and teams like this. And then we get to Bama, and from I think it was the fourth game of the year, and I just went crazy, like 10 carries for like 120 and three quarters. And then from there, I just got the momentum throughout the whole season and uh, ended up last game of the year to the Egg Bowl game. I needed like 100 yards or something to get to that 1,000 yards. I ended up busting like a 60-yard run in the third quarter or fourth quarter, and I finally hit that 1,000-yard mark. And that was just the most memorable because everybody on the sideline knew you know, where I was. I was banged up all year playing through injuries and uh, just seeing what you can accomplish. Like when you're truly motivated, it's, it's really insane. So, <laughs> For sure. And you ended up that season having 100-yard games in six games. That season had nine touchdowns, nine rushing touchdowns. So definitely balling out for sure. Oh, and I was going to mention, you know, we've had some other uh, Ole Miss running backs on the show most recently as part of my Path to the Draft series. We had Jerry Ann Ely, who signed with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. So looking forward to seeing him suit up here shortly. And then also, as you know, Dexter McCluster, I love Dex. He just had a baby, his fifth daughter. So he is a girl dad. And he's just another guy that's got positive, positive energy and really just kind of, he has an intrinsic motivation that you talked about. And he just knows how to energize other people up. So shout out to Dex. I texted with Dex this morning, actually let him know we're doing the show. And so he wanted me to let the Rebel Nation know to those who are listening that he's got some news coming up. So stay tuned. I have no idea what that is. That's all he told me. So more to come. So follow Dex if, uh, if you're part of Rebel Nation or just a fan of, of Run DMC. He's a great dude. So let, let's talk about your transition out of college football. And so you know, people, I think, don't really understand how much work it is to prepare to get ready for the NFL draft and the combine and all that stuff. So talk to us about your pre-draft training. I know you had an injury as well. So share with us what that was like. Yeah, so um, honestly, throughout my senior year of college, I was honestly so worn out through the injuries and stuff. So I kind of took a good break. You know, I was just trying to really regroup and get my body back to where I needed to be. And then when I hit it, we were training great and stuff. I was actually training back at Ole Miss with some guys and I uh, pulled my hamstring running a flying 40. And I felt like I was and that day. Everybody was like, dude, you're rolling. And I almost felt too fast that day, which is crazy. I don't know. I pulled my hamstring. So that kind of threw me back a little bit. So I went to the combine. Honestly, when I went to the combine, it was my first time running full speed. You know, I never ran the 40 there, but I try to do all the, you know, on-field drills. And looking back at it, I was so excited. Like me, I'm not somebody to tap out. I'm like, let's go. And so maybe looking back, I should have probably chilled out on the combine. But it was a great experience. Uh, Me and Naheem actually met each other there. We were actually really good friends there and kicked it off. So then we got drafted together. So we were stoked about that. But it's just a grind. You know, everybody thinks the combine, you know, it's a blessing to go, but it's straight business. Like you definitely get your first glimpse of the NFL. And uh, you're waking up at 4 a.m., you got drug tests, uh, they're testing your brain, you're sitting on the computer for four hours taking all these tests, and they're trying to really wear you out and see how far they can push you and, your, you know, where your mind's at. So it's definitely a mental test and a physical test, 
And I don't think many people know about that. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, people see the drills on TV, right? The 40 is the big one that people see, but there, there's the medical stuff, there's the mental piece. They're long days for sure. And then you have the, the media interviews, there's all, and then as well as your, your meetings with teams and interviews there. So there's a lot going on that week for sure. Yes, for sure. It'll, it'll wear you out, wore me out. Now, when you had that hamstring injury, that was like three weeks before the combine, like mentally, how are you feeling? Because I mean, people say that the combine is like the biggest job interview, right? That an NFL player is going to have. So how are you feeling just kind of going through and getting ready for the combine with this injury? Honestly, I felt like not the most confident because obviously I wanted my hamstring to feel good. I wanted teams to see Jordan at his you know, full potential and stuff. And when I got injured, I know I wouldn't be at my full potential. So that kind of hurt me a little bit. But like I said, I was like, I'm still going to go out and perform. And, you know, like I said, it might not have been the best option, but when I've been faced with adversity, you know, it's just, you know, you got to keep pushing. Like, that's not the end of the story. Like, are you going to let this write your story or are you going to write it for it? You know, and I just think all those times you are faced with some type of adversity, um, you know, how you handle it is it kind of tells a lot about yourself. Oh, absolutely. Now, Pro Day was March 27th, 2018. And I know you were super determined to really show out and, and perform. And so how was that experience for you? Uh, it was actually really good, a lot better performance by myself. Still didn't have my full speed back. You know, I ran like a four or five flat or something. Definitely in the four four type of guys. Well, that's later talk. But <laughs> no, it was good just seeing, you know, coaches coming out. A lot of people were there being able to perform at your level, uh, feeling good about yourself and knowing like, okay, there it was, you know. And I felt like I put a lot of uh, good thoughts and, and taste in people's mouths that day. So that's a good feeling to have when you know what you can do when you perform it you know, at that level. So for sure. So let's fast forward about a month, April 28th, you were selected by the Colts, 169 pick. Walk us through getting that phone call and letting them letting you know that you're going to be a Colt. Yeah. So got the call, of course, first off the day, it was day three. You know, I got some calls or an agent got some calls that day and hearing stuff from teams and it not happening. It very stressful. A lot of anxiety goes into that day. But when I got the phone call, I man, it's just like, a you know, all your work, came together and it's like, wow, you know, you made it, but you're not done yet. You know, you got to keep going. You got to stay in the league. But just having, you know, the confidence that a team's going to pick you to, you know, come and perform for them. That's a huge thing. And, uh, you know, I'll never forget that day for sure. And how is that transition like for you going from, okay, so you, you had the draft and now it's, you know, get up and go, get ready to meet with the team. And then you got rookie mini camp and training camp that summer. Like, what was that like for you? And having Naheem there since you guys were buds is probably pretty fun too. Yeah, it was fun. Like I said, it's just a process, you know, it's just cool to see, you know, what we're all going through, you know, coming together to compete, uh, going to a new city that's far away from your family. You know, you put all that in together. But then when you get there, it's like, oh, this just ball. So, it, you know, just ball. You're learning. I think Tom Rathen was my running back coach at that time. Helped me in so many ways. You know, blocking was probably one of my least things I could do coming into the league. And he, I mean, helped me in any way he can. Uh, one of the smartest individuals I've ever met. So it's just the details of the game. When we came in and uh, just the camaraderie from everybody, uh, we got straight to it. And like I said, we had a great rookie class. So, you know, we just hit it and it's just practice like anything else. But um, getting together with a new group of guys in a new city and all having that same uh, goal in mind, you know, was fun for sure. And you're going into year five. How has your perspective changed about the business of the NFL now versus when you were a rookie? When I was a rookie, I really didn't know anything at all. You know, you obviously, obviously I've been cut one time before last year and, you know, it is a business. Like you wouldn't think for myself, I was like, this would never happen to me. I felt very confident in my abilities, but you know, you, it happens to everybody at some point. Um, so it's just, you can't really take it as a shot in the heart. You just gotta, 
you know, say, okay, well, my time's up there. Thank you guys for everything I've done. Or thank you guys for taking, you know, my skill set and bringing it in and all that and draft, you know, but it's time to move on. And, you know, you get another, there's other, there's 32 teams in the league. So that's one team that you're done with, but you have multiple other opportunities uh, to go show your skill sets to other teams and stuff. So uh, it's just a revolving door. You know, you just got to keep your mindset the right space. You can't get down on yourself when something like that happens because it is a business. It's easy to be like, well, I'm not getting what I want or I'm not getting the opportunity. Or you might see another person get opportunity before you when you have been doing better, whatever the situation may be. At some point when I get my opportunity, I got to perform and I got to make the most of it. And then I will have more opportunity. So that's really what, you know, the game comes down to. For sure. And I, I think the, the more you're in the league, you the more you understand that and can process through that. But that first time when you were you know, waved by the Colts, like mentally, what are you feeling? It was about you know a few weeks before you ended up getting picked up by Jacksonville. So like, how are you staying locked in or staying positive? Like, how are you dealing with that while you're waiting to see what's next? Yeah. So honestly, um, I had a surgery, actually details. I don't know if I'm going to put it in, but uh, I had, um, uh, what's it called? Testicular torsion. Um, it was sleeping at night. I went up and went to the bathroom, came back in bed and I rolled on my stomach. I felt a weird, I don't know, something like tug. 30 minutes later, uh, like I couldn't really breathe and my stomach was real knotted up. So I went to the hospital and they said I had testicular torsion, had surgery. And uh, I was out for three weeks or four weeks. And then right when I got back, I got released from the cult. So that was like, that's how it happened. And I'm not many people and I was like, okay, that's kind of messed up. I was already mad throughout the year. I wouldn't get the opportunity I needed for whatever reason. We don't have to talk about all that. But, uh, you know, like I said, it's just not always going to be fair. Like some people are more opportunity. Um, and, and how it all happened, I was kind of bummed out at first, um, saying like, like, you know, whatever reasons that that wasn't right, whatever. Um, you just got to keep going. Obviously I have a one-year-old son. I have a wife that I have to provide for. Um, and you know, my dad always said, you like the men, the men, you know, most in most families have to be the money makers or, you know, and, and, and put that pride on your back and, and keep grinding, regardless if you're feeling good or not, whatever. So that kind of just kind of gave me motivation. Um, you know, when all that happened, I'm, when I look back at it, I'm, you know, very blessed and fortunate that happened because it definitely sparked something in me. Um, I'm feeling better than ever. My mindset's at a better point than ever. Um, so it definitely happened for a reason. And that's another thing I'm, with me. I always think everything happens for a reason. So uh, if you have that approach about stuff, you know, it's easy to, to deal with the struggles and, and ups and downs. So. Completely agree. And I have that similar mentality. I think that everything happens is it's meant for a purpose, even if it doesn't feel like it's fun and it's helping to grow us and it's really shaping us to who we should become and put us on the path we're meant to be on. Right, exactly. And and to your point, when you, when you have that mentality, it makes it easier to deal with those unpleasant things that you're going through and those experiences as well. Yes, absolutely. It's just like I said, like you want to compete in everything you do and you kind of take it, you know, just isn't it? People are like, oh, don't take stuff personal. But it's good sometimes to take stuff personal. Like, it, you know, like it should bother you. You know, like people are like, oh, that doesn't bother me or whatever. You Like, no, like don't, you know, like show yourself, you know, like stuff should, if you care about something, it should bother you, you know, and then if it bothers you, you're going to do something about it. And you just don't want to stay status quo. Like I said, you want to keep evolving in whatever way you can, not just the game of football, but in life in general, you know, being a father, being a, a dad, husband, a brother, you know, everything, you just want to be the best you can. And, and that's kind of just, you know, how I live my life. So we definitely are on the same wavelength on that for sure. Now we had the draft a couple of months ago. We've gone through Rookie mini camps, OTAs, mandatory uh, mini camp. We're getting ready for training camp. 
the current draft class, these rookies have transitioned into being professional football players. What advice would you give to the rookies today coming into the league? Yeah, so honestly, it's one of my favorite times seeing rookies come in, just seeing because I know how I was, you know, coming in as a rookie. But my advice would just be take account into the small details of stuff because everybody's talented. Everybody can make plays. We've all have the egos and everybody, you know, you're going to meet all different types of people that know they get whatever done and that they might think they're the best that you should. But it's the details that make everything different. Like you can have from the best team in the NFL to the worst team in the NFL. The talent's not that different. Like people might have the big name guy, whatever. It's the details of the game. So that's what I kind of just tell rookies, you know, like, you know, and, and you can tell when you're around a good staff that, you know, if they lock into the minor details, you know, just foot placement on routes or where you're lined up as a receiver or, you know, if your left foot's up, right foot's up. It's the smallest, deep, just one step difference, you know. Just, I mean, it makes a huge difference in the game of football because you don't want to give anybody a certain type of leverages in this game because people are too talented. So you just want to play a clean game. And, and, and obviously, you got to be a dog. So. And you bring up a great point because, I mean, the details matter, not just in football, but just in business, in our careers. Like you need to be one of those professionals that are really paying attention to those little things and how you can perfect not only your craft and your performance and things that you do, but I mean, even for me, when I worked in the corporate, space. I mean, I was always like reading documents. I'm a lawyer too. So I'm always reading documents and picking up on the little things and bringing up points that other people didn't think about. And that's how I really helped grow as a professional where people were like, oh, she knows what she's talking about because I picked up on things that other people didn't. So I was able to bring value that other people didn't or couldn't bring to the team as well. Absolutely. And then that goes a long way, especially like to your point with who you're working with. And for us, it's our coaches and stuff. I mean, if they see that, okay, this person got the details of stuff. I mean, it gives the the coaches trust in you. When you when the coaches trust you, that's the best thing you could have in this business is their trust because then they'll put you out in any certain any circumstance, any situation, playoffs, fourth down, whatever, you have their trust. And when you have their trust, it gives you more motivation to go out and perform knowing that they have your back. So it, it all goes hand in hand. You know, it's neat how all that works. So like I said, it just, you know, I'm telling you, the details make a difference. <laughs> they do. Absolutely. So something I asked both Naheem and Zaire on the show was it was around good leadership and having great leaders in the league. Like when you look at the great captains, great leaders that you've gotten to play with or that you've just observed, what do you think makes an NFL leader great? And how is that different than being a leader in college? One, you gotta be a, you have to be a hard worker. You gotta be somebody that obviously people look up to and how you have respect from the group, right? But you gotta bat those intangibles. I'd say uh being able to incorporate the whole group, not leaving everybody out, being able to talk to anybody, being able to come up to people and get like in the NFL, you think, oh, we're all grown men, so people don't want to come up and be like, Hey, you need to get whatever, you need to get this done. Sometimes we need that. And like I said, it goes back to earlier when I said uh, t- being able to take criticism as a player, like if a leader's coming up to you and telling you something, they're not coming up to you to dog you or to bash you. They're coming up to get you to elevate and level up. And, um, you know, I think, like I said, it comes down to respect. If you have respect for people and you see somebody's work ethic and how they work and see it translates to the field and off the field, and you can sit there and, and let a leader teach you. So I think it goes hand in hand. I think it's both. Um, I think the leader has to set the bar high you know, and be the, the leader of the group by by his work ethic, by how he treats people and those type of things. Because you, you can't treat certain people good, certain people wrong. And everyone gets treated the same. Everybody's pushed, you know, to their max and there's no shortcuts. And uh, I think, you know, that 
are the intangibles to make a great leader. So, And you talk about the details. I know I've heard from a lot of guys that Mike is one of those people that really gets into it and works with, with, with all the guys. And so he's in, in the weeds, in the details. Right, right. Yeah, like I said, I love coming to work because, like I said, I, I love getting the details. I love learning. I love elevating. When I come in, I'm learning something every day. You know, I'm getting my brain picked at. They're gonna, I'm going to get questioned, you know, and you're going to get tested. So you have to come prepared each day instead of just rolling in and, oh, I sit in this meeting and you know, zone out and, oh, we're just going to go to practice later. I'm good. No, because at practice, they're going to throw something in that you better have been listening and taking account of the details because they're going to test you and you're going to see and it's going to look bad in front of your teammates if, you know, you're wrong or some of your teammates might have got it. In this business, that's kind of how everything is done to see like, okay, is this person locked in or not? And they handle it all because everything's done in front of your teammates. Your teammates know where you're at. Coaches know where you're at. And that's the beauty of it. Like there's there's no hiding in this business. And so something else I want to chat with you about for a minute. I think social media, people, there's good from social media. There's also some bad from social media in terms of that you can get distracted and become unproductive because you're on your phone too much looking at what everyone else is doing. But I think social media has allowed people to see another uh, viewpoint into the life of being a professional athlete. And you know, before all of these different Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all these things, I think people just thought, oh, it, it's fun to be a pro athlete. Like it's just, it's just fun and games, glitz and glamour. And there's so much more. There's a lot of work like we've talked about, but you know, you have a family, you mentioned you've got a son that's one, you have a wife. And so you have other demands on you and being a professional athlete is very taxing mentally, physically, you're on the road a lot. What are some of the challenges that you've seen that either you've gone through or just other players being a pro athlete and trying to juggle everything? How can you manage your time? How can you manage the things you do? I, obviously, when I came into the league, you're told a lot, have a schedule, have a schedule, a weekly schedule to get all your stuff done. And, you know, as a rookie, you're like, oh, I'm good. I, I don't need no schedule. Like, I just got out of college. This is my job. But when you obviously you get older, you have a family, have all these type of things, you know, you got to be able to manage your time. For me, I used to go to work. Maybe if I was stressed out, I'd bring that type of energy home. You got to know how to leave it at work, you know, and don't bring that type of energy home uh, to be a, you know, a good husband, good dad, all those type of things. So, yeah. <laughs> gotcha. And and so when you look at the Titans organization, you know, we're getting ready for the season. Training camp is coming up. You know, what what are you most excited about for this upcoming season? Um, Just having a fresh start. I mean, you know, I've been at other places for quite a bit of time. It's my fifth year in the league. So just having a fresh start, being able to compete, you know, for whatever positions are available, going in new coaches, obviously being with new teammates. It's exciting, you know, kind of, you know, revives your your energy and just feels like, dang, I just got into the league again. But you know, obviously I'm on another team. So, you know, I'm excited about it. I want to just, you know, prove to them I'm a hard worker. I'm trustworthy. They can trust me whenever they need me. So that's really my approach. Love it. And obviously the Titans had a great season last year so looking forward to seeing the titans do well again this coming season got some great talent got you on the team know some other guys out there so i'm really excited for football to get back in season so another thing that i wanted to ask you about is you have some dogs you got two dogs um deuce and dream so tell us about why no one's been with you for a lot longer but tell us about your dogs yes i have two dogs i'm with deuce and dream deuce is a rottweiler mix Got him from free when I was in college. So he's been with me through all the struggles and grind. You know, my best friend right there. I mean, then Dream got recently about, she's about two years old. She's a press of canary I got from an awesome dude out in Georgia who breeds them. And she's a beast now, 135 pounds, but she won't harm a fly. So, <laughs> Gotcha. Sounds like two great members of your family for sure. 
So Jordan, what I want to do now is I want to run you through my two minute drill. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. First question is when you were 10 years old, what did you want to be when you grew up? NFL player. I think I knew that answer. (laughs) Next question is what three words would you use to describe yourself? A go-getter. That's only one word. Well, I guess that's three words. I guess. (laughs) Go-getter is hyphenated. (laughs) All right. Next question is what is one thing most people don't know about you? I used to actually be better at basketball than I was football up until I started getting offers for football, I guess, in sophomore year of high school. But I was honestly like better at basketball all the way up until that point. What position did you play? I was a point guard, shooting guard. So Okay, I was a point. So basketball's got a special place for me. If you had one intro song played at all of your public appearances, what would it be? Probably Fireman by Lil Wayne. I can't give you how it goes. You might have to just put it in your Apple and music and let it ride. So, <laughs> All right. What book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? So the book I'm currently on is by Tony Robinson, Robbins, Money Master of the Game, I think it's called. Okay. And then the next question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? I'd have to go with LeBron, Tom Brady, and probably Elon Musk. And just to see, obviously, the different sports. Obviously, Elon Musk is one of the most powerful people in the world with money and stuff. Just seeing the mindsets of all the difference. You know, obviously, LeBron's accomplished a lot. Tom Brady's accomplished a lot. Elon Musk has accomplished a lot. Now, I want to see, just pick their brains and see, you know, are they similar in, the, in what they go and how they, they handle their business and just daily lives. That would be a great conversation for sure. Okay, my next question is, do you sing in the shower? If I'm in the zone, I definitely do, but not often. So. <laughs> and would your wife say that you're a good singer or no? Not at all. No. <laughs> gotcha. All right. So as we look to end the show, any last thoughts for our listeners? Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. I know it's been, what, a year since we said we were going to get this done. So I'm, I'm really uh, appreciative of you and, you know, y'all hear what I had to say. Yeah, and a pleasure. Well, we're glad to have you with us. Where can people follow you? Where are you at on social media? Yes, yeah, so I'm on Instagram at Jordan Wilkins 20. I'm not on Twitter anymore, just too hectic. So you can follow me on Instagram. That's where I'm at. Yeah, let's, let's do it. All right. Well, we will have your Instagram in the show notes so people can continue to follow you on your journey. Jordan, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much, Jennifer. And thank you to everyone for listening. If you liked today's episode, again, hit that subscribe button if you have not already done so. And please share the show with a friend or two or three or more so you can help me to continue to move the ball. All right, everyone, we'll catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball in your business, with your brand, or your career, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.